Alright, hello everybody, welcome back. I'm John. I'm Jake. And we're here to discuss the 2019 film The Lighthouse, directed by Robert Eggers, starring Willem Dafoe and Robert Patterson. Man, 2019 seems like a long time ago. Yes, it does. It really does. That kind of seems like it was like the last year of movies in a lot of ways. There definitely wasn't as much released throughout 2020, thanks to the pandemic. Yes, and oh, and uh, that's an interesting uh, starting point, time dilation, and, um, you know, uh, the importance of human contact in constructing um, a linear worldview and kind of sanity and all that jazz, so. Yeah, well, there's definitely a lot to talk about with this yeah. film today. Yeah. And that definitely sets a mood for it. You picked this movie for yes. this week, and I, why were you interested in watching uh, it? You I, haven't seen it before. I had not seen it before. Um, I'm uh, a fan of both stars, and I very much How enjoyed... Be? Yeah, exactly, and I very much enjoyed, enjoyed The Witch, so... Yeah, or The Vivitch, yeah, which was Robert Eggers' previous movie. Yeah, that was his inaugural? Yeah, um, it was his first okay, uh, yeah. feature film. Yeah, so that had... Um, very that, scary film. Very scary film, but um, uh, both films... Um, I would classify as like atmospheric horror, not um, kind of like jump scare or. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't even know if this movie is necessarily a horror movie. It finally feels like it tries to juggle a lot of different tones from horror to character studies, to comedy to just atmosphere of the environment itself. Yeah. Yeah, um, especially well, especially with the aspect ratio, right? That it's shot in. Yeah, that's uh, probably the most apparently noticeable thing about the movie is that it's shot in a very narrow aspect ratio. Um, it's actually more narrow than four by three. It's one by nineteen by eleven, and they decided to film in this particular aspect ratio because a lot of early nineteenth century or late nineteenth century photography was tucked in this aspect ratio. That's when the story of takes the lighthouse place, takes 1890s, place. Yeah, okay. so it, it definitely adds more uh, of a historical realism aspect to it. But I think it also achieves different things because the frame is so narrow; it gives a lot of wide space high up in the frame, especially for the lighthouse for yes. a lot of these shots on the outside. And also because it's so narrow, it really presses our two characters close together when they are on frame. It's almost suffocating to a degree. Uh, just like the lighthouse probably was, um, so it, it functions on multiple levels. There, I didn't realize that that was um, close to the uh, ratio used for photography at that time. So I think that's that's a pretty interesting point. Um, yeah, they definitely seem to be going for historical realism, not only in the uh, cinematography aspects of the film, but also in the dialogue, because oh, a lot of yeah. it feels like it's period accurate. I know uh, Eggers who wrote the screenplay, went back to a lot of texts from the late 1800s just to get the language. Um, he especially looked into writers who recorded conversations phonetically so he could get the specific <coughs> way that characters would talk through this film. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, and you also had like an old-timer, so to speak, the uh, the older lighthouse keeper, yeah. um, Defoe's character. Um Right. This movie centers around two lighthouse keepers yeah. who are on a four-week term on this lighthouse in New England to basically tend to it and keep it running for that time. Um, yeah. So, the older one, played by Willem Dafoe, as you were saying. And uh, his what's his name again? His name is Wake. Wake. Thomas Wake. Thomas Wake, yes. And then the younger character is played by Robert Patterson. Ephraim Winslow. Ephraim Winslow, Yes. Or is he? <laughs> or is he? Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. 
we can get into that. Um, so back to the cinematography point real quick. There's that opening shot where um, <clears throat> the two previous lighthouse keepers are kind of taking their belongings in a trunk, like leaving the island. Yeah. And then um, <clears throat> uh, Ephraim and Thomas walk up, and there's obviously a, there's a photographer, obviously, um, in this shot because I don't, it, it's not meant to be like a – it's meant to be like a – this is the start of your, you know, here's your photo, guys. Like, you two are working. This is the start of your shift. Right. Um, and then, like, the cameraman leaves. Felt like a, um, you take your photo for your security card. Exactly, or... actually. Um, yeah. When you get your first day of work. That's what it reminded me of. Um, and it's interesting because you have both of them in the shot at the same time. Not one, then the other, then both together. Which is, mm-hmm. like, what I'm, what I'm expecting. Uh, when you look at any, like, old-timey horror from, like... Haunting Connecticut-esque where the, 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 the things that happened in the house or on the property like happened during this time period. Um, and when you see like photos of the old family members, they're like one at a time. And then they'll put the family together, especially when it's like a reel, like a photo reel. Yeah. Um, you'll see like individual family members and then all of them together. Um, and you'll see some motion in between the photos. And this is like when they're doing like the, oh, like this person was murdered here. Or this family's mo- like mother became a witch. And thus, like, right. yeah, so that's kind of what it felt like to me. But we never got them independently. We only, we got them together, which yeah. I uh, think is supposed to suggest um, or hint at the fact that um, Thomas Wake, Defoe's character, might not actually be there. Yeah, that could definitely be um, one interpretation it, uh, of this movie. Yeah. I so as we're gonna talk about this movie leaves itself open to a lot of different interpretations. But we have these two lighthouse keepers and they live together and they have an antagonistic relationship with each other at first. Thomas Wake is a, seems to be a very domineering boss. He's always uh, scrutinizing over details. With Winslow, he's deriding him. He ca- calls him stupid. Yes. <laughs> a lot. He dog. Said, Are you a dullard boy? He calls mm-hmm. him a dog. Yeah, are you a dullard boy? He's like, no, sir. He's like, you had me fooled. <laughs> it's yeah. definitely noticeable. Um, so, but that's most of the time when they're working together. And Wake has set up the rules. He's willing to forego the manual of how the lighthouse keeping is done. And basically leaves Ephraim Winslow to do all the shit jobs while he tends to the light in the lighthouse itself. And this antagonistic relationship continues, but there's these scenes where they have dinner, and these scenes are very interesting to me because it seems like Thomas Wake in these moments wants to just talk and be chummy and have a nice conversation with Winslow. And yeah. he's constantly trying to get him to drink in these moments, too. <laughs> yeah, so the first instance of that is their first night. Right. Um, and uh, he sets him up for a toast. Yeah. Which uh, Winslow does not want to reciprocate. Or he's okay with like taking part in, but he doesn't want to drink. Drink the drink the drink, right? So right. Um, yeah, that's where we get the whole forego the manual, you do it as I say, kind of thing. Um, uh, and <clears throat> And you never go up into the lighthouse. Yeah, so those are the two rules. rules. Yeah, yeah. I, I I tend the light. Is I believe the quote. Um, I tend the light. And he says that over and over again. The light is mine, I tend the light. Right. Um and then uh, Ephraim goes to uh, dump his drink out, gets water, and um, proceeds to fill the toast with water and spits it out all over the table. Yeah, because, because it's grimy, the water rotten, is water well. rotten. This uh, lighthouse on this island is a terrible place Disheveled. to live. Yeah. yeah, it's ramshackle. It doesn't have any real good or fresh running water. And uh, it's the environment itself is a character. 
especially in the sound design, because it's ever present throughout the movie, whether that's the wind or the rain, the it's sound fog of horn. the foghorn. Oh, my God. The yeah, foghorn. the foghorn yeah. is probably the most. The screeching of gulls also pretty constant. The waves crashing against the rocks, but the foghorn is just ever present, uh, yeah, always letting itself be known. That sound enough could be uh, could be enough to drive somebody. I mean, we, and we see we see that beginning to happen. Um, we don't get really like a daily breakdown, um, and that's also intentional. But we do know that the first time Ephraim refuses to drink with Thomas is the first night they're there. Really get off the boat. Um, Thomas is shoveling coal. Keep the light going. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm assuming keeping some heat, you know, flowing too for the house. Um, and uh, he hears the foghorn blast, and he's like in the lighthouse at this point, shoveling. So um, it's like right there. <laughs> this is where the sound is emanating from. Yeah, like he's the in the belly the of the yeah, beast. He's in the belly of the beast. And he's he doesn't have any earplugs, and tinnitus is a cruel mistress. mistress yes, as we, as we all know. So this this foghorn starts to really drive him up on the wall. So we always start to see cracks. Um, and since we're not given a, like a, a strict time frame as to when this is occurring, you're assuming it's probably within the first couple nights. Right. Um, you know, and his boss is right upstairs, so he needs to make sure the light's still burning. You know, that coal is still, that coal furnace is still going. Um, yep. And he's already starting to lose it. So it's... Uh, yeah, he seems to be a guy who, from the beginning of getting on the island, has a tenuous grip of what's going on. He's not really engaged with his surroundings. Yeah, or he is to the extent that he needs to be. Um, yeah. Um, he His first day... I'm going to go in a little loop here and then we can skip down. Um, Winslow and Wake don't speak at all until dinner. And, uh, through the whole, first, through the whole day. first day. So they're like unloading their stuff off the boat. Boats it takes the other two lighthouse keepers. Yeah. Um, and... I guess Wake does communicate a little bit via farts. Yeah, Wake farts, yeah. Which is kind of his way of asserting dominance. It strikes me. Yeah, pissing in front of him. Right. And like, you know, farting and just being like, no, I don't care. And then like... Yeah, I don't care about you. Just gonna lay one down. Yeah, as you're sitting, like, you know, my height, like, my ass height, I'm just gonna let one rip while I'm pissing in your face kind of thing. It's like, you know, yeah, power move. Um, Definitely a power move. But... um. He digs into his mattress after he says, um, Ephraim sits down on the bed. Uh, Thomas Wake leaves after farting and pissing his face. And he, like, digs out this, like, little mignette. Yeah, of, little, uh, scrim, like, little, he calls like, it a scrimshaw. Yeah, scrimshaw of, of, of um, mermaid. a mermaid. And, you know, your first instinct to this is, like, you know, you see it rip in a mattress or something. You, I'm, I don't know. I'm not, like, digging my hands in there to find out what's in there kind of thing. I'm, like, yeah. looking at it. He feel like, like somebody was putting something else in there. Yeah, perhaps. right. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, no, not, like, some little, you know, trinket. And he, like, knew exactly how much of the padding the mattress to with, to take out first. Like, he actually would, would, like, would, you know, and then pulls out this thing. So it's what, like, it made me wonder, at least upon first watch, and then I got a, you know, second watch in today before recording. Does he know that that's there? Does he know? Does that does Tom? Yeah. Through. Does does Ephraim know that it's there? Um, it's it's just his actions, his motor functions there in that scenario. They seem counterintuitive, and at least like it just seems like he has a pre like predisposed. Right. You know. The thing about that is, um, we learn later in the movie that Thomas Wake's former second partner on this island uh, died. He went mad. Um, According to, to Thomas. Yeah, yeah, he thought there was an enchantment in the lighthouse. 
and he th- saw merfolk and things of the sort. And it's presumed in the movie that this little scrimshaw trinket of a mermaid was left by him. That is... Because it was in the bed that he used to sleep in. Correct. Yeah. Did that man even exist? Becomes the question, right? So, um, all of the outside environmental factors that seem to in- indicate um, other people existed always seem to be framed through the lens of, like, am I trusting the, 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 the narrator right now, so to right. speak? And, and the, the narrator... Camera, and the camera, in my opinion, is, is when it's shot from that first-person point of view. Like, that's, that is Ephraim. Right? Yeah, yes. the so, movie yeah. is definitely following his point of view. Yeah, yeah. So the the whole questionable narrator becomes a thing. Like, do I trust this narrator now? Um, That's I, an early part, I think, to start mistrusting the narrator. I You're quick on the draw for that one. Okay, yeah. That's because when I watched this movie for the first time, I didn't really start that until like the last third of it. After everything starts going to shit when the storm rolls in. Yeah, I um, I I actually mistrusted the narrator from the fir- first shot the first time we watched it um, because it looked to me like Thomas Wake's character was a devil on the shoulder of Ephraim Winslow. That candid before they entered the lighthouse, kind of like your employee ID card shot. Where he's standing where right standing behind, behind him. It, it, that to me was like devil on the shoulder, not so much like a character that's actually there physically. That's interesting. Yeah, so I would, that's when I started to, like, wonder, you know, and that is, I think, reinforced, but also undermined throughout the rest of the film, which is, which is, which is what makes it interesting, because I, you know, I'm not, I can't speak definitively to this theory, but. Yeah, it's, it's tough, like, because any interpretation that I come up with, I get, like, three or four points through, but it's never foolproof. No. And I always be left open for another one. And I think that's kind of, like, the idea um, of the film is that there is this assu- assumed objective God's eye view of things that we inherently take place in subjectively. But like mm-hmm. when we refer to truth, capital T, like we know that there's something that we have like observed, taste, felt, sm- smelt, heard, lived through, experienced that like is objectively verifiable. And that there is something that we can, there is a litmus test out there that we can find to kind of verify our experience against what's actually happening around us. Yeah. And like, that's just not possible. Like no matter how hard we like try. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. Um, and that's kind of like that idea of sanity being like, you know, Aristotle wrote, we're the, we're the, the, the political animal, the social animal, however you really want to discuss it. But that, um, there's some, there like, there's something necessary about inter like person to person interaction in our, the stability of our consciousness kind of like if, if we're alone relegated to this island even with just one other person it becomes much harder to verify like what is, what is real and what isn't <laughs> right and based on the fact that like other people because yeah now there's always <laughs> going to be two opinions yeah on it. yeah and just to make like, no one you can't like call up anyone else and be like hi yeah this happened um which is actually like we can skip to the end on this one real quick with yeah the, yeah sure. I don't think we're gonna follow the linear the, no yeah, we're just talking just around talking this. around to this today because there's a lot to this is definitely to, yeah. for people who've already seen the movie yeah definitely I'll put um, the spoiler warning yeah up. yeah um, so we skip to the end and it's perceived at least that um, Thomas is ch- uh, Thomas Nephrim like they're afraid now been drinking a lot right yeah um, and. Uh, 
Ephraim needs to get off the island. So he goes to launch the dinghy that they have, and the storm is raging, right? And they're supposed to be done now. They're supposed to be picked up. We've had our four weeks, quote-unquote, of time passed. We don't know if it's actually four weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and the storm's raging, and they can't come to get him. And, you know, Thomas tells the story of, oh, you know, one time seven months, this guy was marooned here. And went mad. It's like, oh, God. So, like, Ephraim is like, I'm out. Peace. It's on a life preserver. And Thomas comes out of the, out of the lighthouse with a, with a hatchet and axe and yeah. takes it to the boat. Destroys the boat. You're not leaving me. And then chases him back into the, into the lighthouse with an axe. Um, once inside, Thomas claims that Ephraim chased him with the axe. Yeah, chasing poor old Tom. Yeah, um, kind of undermining that idea of like, what am I? What, what I'm seeing is is it real, right? And it's unlike whenever there's a solo shot. By the way, there's never a solo shot of Thomas Wake doing something or experiencing something Ephraim is is doing. It's always Ephraim's alone yeah, and experiencing something Tom's doing at a distance or up close, but it's always from like Ephraim's in the shot and now Tom is now added to the shot. Mm-hmm. It's never Tom and then Ephraim. I think right? the one time that does happen is when Tom is in the lighthouse and Ephraim's watching him and Tom, like you see him have his like clothes off inside and then you see him removed, but that could be what Ephraim's imagining. I mean, going back to that scene where Tom chases him with the axe back into the house, I think, I mean, Ephraim, as we learn in the movie, his real name is Tom Howard, and that Ephraim Winslow was actually a person who he used to work with. Yes. He yes, claims let, he let him die and didn't do anything about it, but it seems like a rehearsed story. Uh, when, when he, he tells it, yeah, when he tells it, he opens up. He says, "You know, I had the idea to kill him, kill him with the cont hook." Yeah, but I could have done it. Yeah, I, I could have done it, but I didn't. And earlier in the movie, we're seeing when he's really starting to lose it and drinking a lot, and he's masturbating in the shed, and the image of him having sex with the mermaid is intercut with the cont hook going into the back of Winslow's head. You know, it could be that he actually really did it. Suggested by, you know, these hallucinations, these dreams. Um, yeah, so, I mean, like, what can you believe about him, in a way? Maybe he is, like, imagining it. The, the only thing that you can, like, that's that, well, that goes back to that idea of that objective God's eye view of things that are apt. Like, there's something verifying what's happening above us right. that we can somehow have, like, when we go so to our from doom, the height of like, the lighthouse. Yeah, exactly, like, right? Is this Except light. that the lighthouse does a light circle. It doesn't illuminate the entire place in light at all times. No. It's in it, one section, and then it's in another, and then it's in another, and then it's in another. You don't get light everywhere so at the same time. It just flashes its light just on you. flashes of light. Just, here's an image. Here's an image. Here's an image. Like, I mean, the only thing that you can objectively verify about any of it, we don't even know. Uh, Thomas Wake, you know, says, hey, uh, Ephraim, or Tom, should I call you? Like, how do I know you're not wandering up in Alberta? Frostbitten, imagine this right now. Still amongst your trees, you know, because that's that's where Ephraim originally came from. The original Ephraim, we now know, quote-unquote, was left to die by mm-hmm. Thomas. And, uh, yeah, how does he know he's not <laughs> frostbitten wandering around the woods of Alberta, Canada? Yeah. Um, yeah. 
after killing the real Eve from Winslow. Yeah. So it, it's 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 there were two shots in the film too that kind of um, explain this like internal psychic struggle that the viewer goes through just viewing the movie because it's hard to view a movie where you don't actually you can't trust the world. Right. Created by the narrator. And you, like, you hey. think you can at first. That's part of like the great mastery of the design behind this. Because in the first half of the movie, the line between dreams and reality, or what seems to be reality and pretty dreams. solid. Yeah. At first. And then as the movie goes on, they get progressively more and more blurred. Yes. Um, so I guess it just begs the question at the end of the day. Um, we make leaps of faith all the time when assuming we're interacting with things outside of our own perception of the interaction. Like I, I assume I'm having a conversation with somebody else that's real right now. Right. Um, I can't prove that beyond a reasonable doubt. <laughs> the only thing that I know is I exist. So the only thing that we know is that this, this character, Thomas, what was, what was Ephraim Winslow? Thomas, what was his last name? Howard. Thomas Howard. I think it's important because they're both Thomas. And I don't want to confuse the audience, but um, Thomas Howard is something, whether he, you know, is some psychotic break, some schizophrenic dealing with guilt that he's created Ephraim Winslow, the, the man he let die or possibly murdered with Thomas Howard, his original identity. And like, he's, you know, that's how yeah. he's coping with what he's done. Um, and perhaps Thomas Wake is another personality that's popped out of this kind of primordial protean mix, you know, um, in this man's mind. Like, I think the only thing that we can really identify is like the light, the sound of the foghorn, you know, the environment is real. Right. The or rain, the rain, the wind, the sound of gulls, the crashing yeah, of the waves. That, that's all real. Um, but these people actually aren't. I mean, I think the Howard character is i think he seems it because since it's told from his point of view whether he's a reliable narrator or not it seems like he's the one going through this sort of trial per se. agreed agreed i think that's what we can only identify yeah like, like yeah and the Luke island is I, definitely the more impermeant character of the two so let's that shot with him um and grabbing howard and like the light coming out of his eyes and his mouth and he, he is like that very um <clears throat> Poseidon-esque look to him because he definitely has the beard and the hair of Poseidon like and I think that's intentional mm-hmm. uh, if you look at any of the um, <clears throat> Greek depictions of Poseidon he matches very closely to the to the facial hair and then the hair length and stuff like that okay um, in, intentionally so because what when we were discussing this um, during my second watch you said that there is an interpretation of the film where this is, these could be two ancient gods yeah, a lot um, of people go with that um, Willem Dafoe's character of Wake is a Proteus character, basically uh, keeping secrets of what's in the lighthouse, where Robert Pattinson's character of Thomas Howard is a Prometheus figure, stealing the fire, and then being cursed to a damnation of having his innards eaten by birds. Okay. <laughs> which is how it ends, right? Yeah, which is how and it that's, ends. And that's how Zeus punishes Prometheus. For stealing the fire. For stealing the fire. Yeah. It gives it to you to create intelligent life, basically, in the Greek myths. So, now it's interesting because both both of these, uh, well, the lighthouse, and I'm going to go back to the witch a little bit, just because I think it's important. You've seen it? Sure. Yeah, um, I've seen it. Okay, so that ending scene 
where she walks off into the woods. And Sorry, joins, spoilers. And joins the, the coven. The joins the coven. Yeah. And then she starts uh, laughing and like floats up, gets lifted. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Howard's character has a very similar experience when he, you know, what he thinks he does is kill kill Thomas, but he doesn't. Um, oh, when he buries he him buries the him, first he thinks time. he's dead. Yeah, yeah, he's he buries not. him alive. Um, uh, he like starts laughing, and it's like very distorted. It becomes very um, Twin Peaks esque to me. Uh, I like with the screaming. I, I, mm-hmm. I, it reminds me of the men after the atomic bomb. The like the that's what that scene kind of oh yeah the woodsman the, the woodsman yeah, yeah after the, the yeah. that's that's in God of Light yeah yeah, yeah. that kind of raspy, distorted raspy. yeah yeah so and then he like falls it was too much for him too much at once I guess right because it's it seems like he does a good job of wavering in between the emotions of it's sometimes a little painful but it's also joyous and he's laughing and he's screaming and very sexual much much like yeah his of like, the, i mean i got a massive like homoerotic vibe from this movie oh with uh, his character and i think that's kind of another interpretation is like he's basically exploring his sexuality he, he refers to uh, the real E from Winslow, Howard, Tom Howard does, as like a candy fae guy. And he and kills him. Yeah. And there's a lot of moments when him and Wake are hanging out, and it almost gets sexual a few yeah, times. The I mean, dancing. They, the dancing, the slow and dancing. Them back and forth. Yeah, like, they yeah. cradle each other in yeah. each other's arms a lot. Yeah. Um, there's definitely a homoerotic vibe in this film. And, and, and maybe that's. He masturbates a lot alone. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, like, he sees what we first interpret as Thomas Wake masturbating, and then it becomes this, like, H.P. Lovecraft-esque, like, transformation into an octopus, like, right in the lighthouse, which is, like, weird. It's, it's absolutely like, very, bizarre. Like, it's one of the earlier dream sequences. Which we think, like, that that's the one, I think, dream sequence that begins to question whether or not, like... To really throw well, off the what rails. is the dream now and what is the reality? We, yeah. we the lines become very blurred in that one. It's like, did he walk in on on yeah. that happening, or did, or did he, he dream it? Dream it, or did like I think it's probably a middle ground. I think he's delusional because he's a person living a lie and he's going through this crazy experience of isolation. And maybe he walks in on wake up there. But it's, you know, his delusions and maybe his pent-up sexual frustrations that interprets it as a sexual act. Yeah, exactly. Of Wake being pleasured by this squid figure or turning into the squid figure while pleasuring himself. Yeah. Uh, Fisherman. Fisherman But it lies... Yeah, the the retentifying. Yeah. (laughs) But it it lies somewhere in between one of those things. Yeah. Um, and, 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 like... That's a bizarre scene... Yeah, but there's a real cool orthochromatic look in the black and white in this movie. And that's because they actually did film it on black and white. Yeah. A lot of movies that come out that are in black and white are filmed on color and then color graded in post-production. Interesting. This was shot on Kodak double double X 35mm film stock, which is one of two black and white film stocks that's still sold. Yeah. Yeah. So, at the end of the day... The medium informs, you know, you know, what's it? The comment that much akin to the South Park commentary, it becomes the content. The medium colors the content <clears throat> very physically, mm-hmm. based on just you know the platform, uh, the, the 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 film used and how it's presented on screen. And 
um, I think that ultimately is 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 the theme. Like we don't know what's real. Right. Like, we have a picture of what we think is real. Yeah. And we have interpretations of what we think are in the picture. I know another and, interpretation is that um, basically Howard is turning into Wake's character. I. And then he becomes awake with, like, the next version of Howard who's trying to protect him from the light. Yeah. So, like, subjugated to it. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 it, that's... And that's why Howard's, like, so big on don't kill a seabird. And know. that's why, um... And also in the script, they're referred to as just young and old as that, with Wake being old and Howard being young. And there are two shots that reinforces that idea of uh, repeti- time repetition, that this is a time loop. Of some sort, the island is a time loop. Mm. Um, what are those? One shot is down the hallway. The first time he looks from the kitchen, when he's like first going through, and he's like, "Holy shit, this is my digs now." He suck, and he tries to open like the cap, like the, the lighthouse, like the the log where the log book is kept, and he can't. It's locked, and like you know, uh, Thomas Wake looks down the hallway, and it's just like the four by the what the the one by nineteen by eleven shot of the door frame within a door mm-hmm. frame within a door frame that leads to the stairs of the lighthouse. And then at the end of the movie, after he like has that orgasmic, overly intense moment of, of, of being in the light, the shot directly down the staircase that leads up to the top of the lighthouse with lights kept before he falls. Mm-hmm. It's just a circle down, 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 like the, the way they have it. Like right. aspect the it's like a perfect, camera's slowly pushing up. Yeah. 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 So those two seem to like at least implicate both being at the beginning and the end, right? That these are like earmarks of like a, 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 a cycle that repeats itself, mm-hmm. but they also happen to be like frames within frames and repetitions within repetitions in the same, in the same place, Stair, like a winding staircase. And then, you know, door frame within door frame within door frame, but like leading to the same place. Right. The light um, at yeah. The top. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I think that that is suggested too. Um, and the fact that we don't know, uh, or better yet, can't know. There is no way to verify because just as and as many proofs as we could come up and talk for hours about each, there would be evidence suggest something else is true. So right, um, it's it's interesting about claims to truth. Then, like, what what do we actually know? Um, I don't. Uh, it can lead us to madness trying to figure it out if we don't base like base operations on some assumption of like that there is something out there that's verifiable. <laughs> Otherwise you go nuts. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I like the scene um, a lot where Willem Dafoe's character of Wake places the curse on uh, Howard yes. because he doesn't like, like his, his lobster cooking. cooking. Yeah, it's awesome. It's an absolutely hilarious moment, but I, I, Willem Dafoe is just fantastic in this movie. I think he gets a lot more of the uh, harder dialogue to do since he's modeled after an old, I guess, 1890s sea salt man, sea yeah. man, sailor. And yeah, he he's the one with monologues, really. Yes, I mean Wake or Howard has one towards the end. Yes, where he's dreaming him out. Yes, but Wake's monologues are all these like it's so poetic, and Howard speaks in prose. Yeah, there's a big difference, like divide between the two of them, just in the way they use language. Yes. One comes with age. <laughs> yeah, he's learned all this flowery language over his across his time on Earth, sailing the seas. Yeah, leaving his wife and kids. Yeah, to come live on this island. Yeah, good pay. But is, is that true? Oh man, I don't know. Right, don't know. because he does change the story up about his leg. He walks with a limp, and he says yeah. at one point he 
his leg was uh, injured in a boating accident, and then another point he claims that scurvy, scurvy got it, scurvy got reduced it, yeah. his limitation or his, yeah. his usage his, of it. The use of his leg, yeah, it's 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 interesting. Just um, and then he's always like to 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 wake. Uh, no, Howard is always. Wake is always to Howard saying, don't spill your beans to me. So when he starts first talking about the fact that his name is Ephraim Winslow and that that, that was the foreman of the logging company that he worked for. Yeah, that's like, the turning point because he wants to know more about him. In those dinner scenes, he's always pushing like, oh, now's the time we talk. Now's the time for Gab. Yeah, when yeah. he first finds out that he used to work in timber, he wants to know all about it. Like kind of joking with him, like, are you on the run stuff? Uh, Howard makes or declares a revelation that his name is not Ephraim Winslow, that it's in fact Thomas Howard. That's when Wake doesn't want to know. Yeah, Wake's like, stop. I yeah, don't don't, don't spill your beans. Don't go spilling your beans. Yeah, which is that's a meme now because of this movie. Is it? Of, yeah, in film communities, a lot of people will just like post a picture of spe- spilled beans on the table <laughs> or like a can of beans that's just fallen over. Well, I mean, spilling your beans. I mean, I knew that saying before. I, just, I saw that movie. I'm mean, just that's interesting that uh, that it's such an old saying. Well, that that it took so long for it to become a meme. I guess would be me. Right. Well, the lighthouse yeah. definitely helped. Uh, I mean, there was sure. a ton of hype around this movie before it came out. There was just like that a picture of Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson on the rocks, just standing out, looking off into the coast. I've never seen one picture get people so hyped for a movie, but it really did. It really did. I, I when I went to a, I saw this movie in theaters my first time seeing it, and I went like a week after it came out. Um, Saturday afternoon and matinee <laughs> matinee screening and the theater is like 70% full. I mean, it's probably the biggest crowd I've had at an A24 film. Go A24. We all know I'm a huge fan. I guess so. so. That's only because I didn't see Uncut Gems in theaters. Um, I regret that. That was a good movie. I've never seen Uncut Gems, so maybe we should do that one. In the yeah, down the line. Yeah, down the line. Yeah. Potentially. Potentially. I'm down with that. Uncut Gems. Yeah. Um, so at the end of the day, um, don't dispossess Don't don't kill gulls. Yeah, there's so much more we could say about this movie. So much but more. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. It's hard um, to say stuff about something that you don't actually know. Right, and because it, it's one of those films that each time I watch it, I keep picking up on new things that I haven't noticed before. And I feel like the first time I watched it, I noticed nothing about it because I honestly like mostly took it on face value about two men just losing their minds in isolation and insane amount of drinking. Yeah. It wasn't really until the subsequent watches, I've now seen it three times, that I started picking up on more of the outside meanings of it and different interpretations, and then recently became more interested in reading about those interpretations. So it's, it's a fascinating rabbit hole. I just, yeah, it's a definite and, it, and it works hole. on a lot of different levels. Like I just think this is a movie people should watch, and I don't think it's going to be everybody's cup of tea, but I think it's, it's such a well-made movie that you owe it to yourself to see because this could just be an all-time classic for anybody. I mean, yeah, I mean, if you're listening to us talk about movies, you like movies enough to definitely give this one the time of day. Right, um, if you haven't if you already. Have, yeah, if you haven't already. And maybe if you have and you didn't like it, maybe watch it again. And with subtitles. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I definitely missed a lot the first time watching it without subtitles. If you're going to go for your uh, second dive in the pool there, um, pun intended, um, I would definitely read up on the Proteus uh, and Prometheus, it, the different iterations of it, um, because I am going to do that before I watch for a third time, which is going to happen. So, Word. yeah, um, I'd like to I'd like to look at that interpretation 
because uh, there's Christian, they, they invoke both both Greek mythology and Christian mythology. Um, that St. Elmo had cast the fire himself um, was hinted at by, or was said by Thomas Wake to um, okay. Howard. And what scene? Um, when he explains to Howard the very first time that his last keeper, like the assistant, the assistant or whatever, had gone crazy. Oh, yeah. And he said, like, you know, there was some, some magic in the light. That's enchantment, enchantment in the light. The St. Elmo had cast the fire himself. So they, 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 they kind of invoke both, which I think is interesting because if you study um, Christian, the Christian, Judeo Christian calendars, holidays fall at the same time as the uh, Roman pagan religious beliefs so that Christians could celebrate in. You know, cognito, so to speak. Everyone else is celebrating, so we can celebrate, and we'll cl- like it. Just kind of before before Con- uh, Constantine made it a you know legal to well, actually well, do yeah, well, they became the religion of the state at that point, right? Um, more so, than just legal, I think official. That, yeah, uh, yeah, more than just legal mandated, right? Um, you know, by this sign you shall win or whatever. He saw that in Latin when he saw the cross. In the yeah, guy, he saw yeah, the Cairo so, and yeah, fire yeah, in exactly, the sky. Yeah, so, yeah, the near death experience. Yeah, and then he went on and just conquered. Yeah, so um, I, I I like the idea that they play with both, but I'm definitely going to do my reading on the Greek mythos and and you know look up some Poseidon shit. Yeah, because I believe that. Um, uh, Thomas Wake's character, at least with the facial hair and the haircut, was modeled and the way after. That he speaks. And the way that he speaks um, was modeled after Poseidon. Poseidon. Yeah. And he even, you know, invokes Poseidon or harkens out to him to yeah. smite uh, Howard yeah. for not liking his lobster. Yeah, and 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 and, and then uh, also the makes nerve him, of that man, not yeah. liking his lobster. Yeah, not yeah. liking the lobster, and then invokes Davy Jones too when he believes he's going to die. Right he's at being the end, buried, he's right buried alive. So yeah. there's a lot of mythology, um, you know, uh, Christian, um, Christian pirate mythology about the sea, where like they still held on to pagan traditions and were trying to outrun like the East India Company, all that kind of jazz. Um, so it's 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 interesting. It's a and it's a cocktail, which is brew, so to speak, of 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 these different worldviews, and you know. Um, it's all trying to make sense of the absurd, yeah. Within within itself being absurd, <laughs> like and it makes something that's pretty damn entertaining. Yes, very entertaining. At the same time, you'll be horrified, and then two seconds later, be laughing. Right, um, and, and and it does There's it well. Some genuinely funny scenes. Yes, I mean, because just we have two really good actors just doing their together, thing, doing yeah. their thing. <laughs> yeah, and Willem Dafoe definitely steals the show for me. But Robert Patterson's great in it yeah, as well. Yeah, Robert Patterson plays a breaking man very well. And Willem Dafoe plays one who's already gone off the edge and is kind of like, you know what, I'm crazy and that's fine. Yeah. Robert Patterson's had, like, the crazy turnaround since Twilight. It's really... Gone. I don't think he was bad in Twilight. I think Twilight was bad. Um, yeah. I think just Twilight had a be... reputation of its own that I mean, he, as someone who was involved with it, kind of had to overcome since he was a main actor. I'm sure Kristen Stewart's had to go through the same stuff. Just like, just her. like they casted for all of the characters in Harry Potter very well. Um, I, I like to think of Thomas Patterson's, you know, inaugural role as, as as Cedric Diggory. Yeah, yeah. C- he he's Cedric Diggory me first and foremost before any of Twilight garbage. Um, okay, uh, that's how I like to think. That's of how him. you identify. He, he portrayed him perfectly, and he. He nailed that like nice guy who's got to play cool and like should bully but won't bully Harry Potter so fucking well. 
Right. Like, so, like, that, I don't even like to think of him as, and that's simply, he did what he was told and did it well. I'm looking forward to Batman. That will be yeah. a true litmus test for me, so let's see that shit. And when Matt Reeves, you know, Batman. Matt Reeves, Batman. They got Paul Dano as the Riddler. Yeah. You're the, a big oh, Riddler, wow. man. I am, I've been waiting, waiting, for waiting for a, a, proper, a, a Riddler. proper Riddler, you know. Not a Jim Carrey host. Riddler. Yeah, yeah, no. I'm, I like Jim Carrey, but no. I'm looking for a serious Riddler that... I'm looking for a Heath Ledger Riddler kind of situation here. You know, like I think I, that's you know, kind of what they're going for. I, and I, I'm praying. I'm praying over here. Riddle me this. Riddle me this. Yeah. Riddle um, me that. <laughs> Who's afraid of the big black bat? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh man. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, but, yeah. I'm looking forward to Battison as well. Yes. <laughs> Yes, I mean, um, I did enjoy Bad Fleck. I, I think the the you know right, we're getting off topic here, so oh, I'm gonna, yeah, I'll end, it, I'll end it here on this. But the fact that that that, that, that um, DC seems to have a more diverse set of voices crafting their narratives, mm-hmm. and the kind of fact that they've acknowledged they don't care if there's overlap or contradiction because it's kind of like we we're a bunch of, we're just telling comic book stories, right? There doesn't need this continuum. Yeah, phase one, phase two. It's just do your thing and like shit that sticks on the wall we'll run with and shit that doesn't, we won't. (laughs) Um, I'm, I'm super, super, super hyped. Yeah, I like that too. I like that they could just have a movie like Joker, the Joaquin Phoenix one, and it doesn't connect to anything else, but it doesn't need to. And it's like, yeah. So give me some Riddler. Give me some riddles, baby. Like I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) I don't know if it doesn't work this time. There'll be another one. <laughs> oh, there'll definitely be another one. Uh, death, taxes, and Batman movies. Right? That's yeah. Guaranteed. <laughs> guaranteed. Thank God for that. All right, but The Lighthouse, definitely recommend. Yeah, definitely recommend. I mean, it's it's interesting because this was the first time I saw it. And I promise I'm not going to recommend every movie that we talk about. Mm. But I, we've gone four for four on things that I think are necessary to see if you're interested in. Well, I mean, film as we're art. just having a hot start then. Yeah, I guess so. Nothing I guess to so. complain about there. And uh, you, got, you got next week's pick at. Yeah, we got next week's pick, which is uh, Falling Down, directed by Joel Schumacher, famed director of Batman Forever, featuring Jim Carrey's Riddler. Oh, Joel. <laughs> oh, Joel. I hope this is better. <laughs> yeah, well, this one, uh, I, this is a movie I haven't seen, you haven't seen. I haven't seen it. I've been meaning to see it for a long time, and I think this is going to be a pretty good opportunity to. I, I hope so. <laughs> All right, so thanks for joining, yes. and uh, check out The Lighthouse. Until then, we'll see you next time.